There's Bible verse I think about sometimes. Many times. It goes. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who shall I send? And I will go for us. Welcome back. We are continuing our discussion on the book of Jonah and have reached chapter two. Finally. If you haven't yet, please go listen to the first two podcasts that lead to this one. It, it should help. Or if you want to jump in here, all the same. Glad you're here. Let's get into it. Have you ever been in a principal's office and knew you were caught? Or worse, have you been in a jail cell, a drunk tank, and knew you were caught? I had a friend, a really good kid, really smart, just always jumped across the line and back with a bad crowd, as did I. Sports always kept me on the rails, and I definitely should have been next to him this night. I was just a little faster than he was on foot. Drunk high school kid, arrested. He goes in the tank, curls up his jacket, falls fast asleep on it. He knew it was over. He knew he was going to get destroyed by his dad. He knew that phone call to the landline of the house was taking place, and his dad was getting dressed in the dark. Moving money around in accounts, maybe, and coming to bail him out in the morning. He was in serious trouble. And he was going to have a rough go at it for the next few you know, days and months. So he figured, might as well get some sleep. It's like the scene in Usual Suspects when Detective Dave Coulion is talking about how to arrest a murder suspect. He says... If you arrest two guys that you think did it, then watch for the one that falls asleep. That's your man. He figures he's caught. Might as well get some rest. That's Jonah in the belly saying this beautiful prayer that is chapter two. That's all it is. It's his prayer. So this one might be a little bit shorter, but you know what? Screw it. Let me just, let me read the whole thing. It's not that long. I'll, I'll read out a version of the Bible I just got. It's called Amplified Version. And I really, I kind of like it. So, all right, here we go. I might riff on this a little bit. It's kind of how my brain works. So, quote, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish, and said, I called out of my trouble and distress to the Lord, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried for help, and you heard my voice. That's a reference to Psalm 120, 130, 142, and Lamentations 3. For you cast me into the deep, That word's the abyss from Genesis 1. Into the deep abyss, the heart of the seas. And the currents surrounded and engulfed me, and all your breakers and billowing waves passed over me. That's Psalm 42. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple, God's hotspot. Psalm 31. The waters surrounded me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Psalm 69. I descended to the very roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me, bolting me in forever. Yet you have brought me up 
You have brought up my life from the pit. Think of Joshua. O Lord, my God, when my soul was fainting within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard and follow worthless idols turn away from their living source of mercy and loving kindness. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I shall pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Beautiful prayer. It just happens to be uh, at the bottom of the ocean. Jonah had to be beaten and molded harder than most to make him into a human worth, you know, walking around. I always say this. We all want our children to have the most boring testimony. I had wonderful parents. They taught me about Jesus and loving your enemy. I made Jesus king of my life at eight years old. Never looked back. Boom. Sadly, I think as we all know, that's not how it works most of the time. This section is obviously a pivotal moment in Jonah's life. And to be fair, I have been pretty hard on Jonah thus far, which might have upset you as a listener. And I'm going to do the opposite today. I'm going to love on him. This episode might feel a little preachy, so sorry about that. I I just love this prayer so much. He calls on so many psalms of his youth as a Hebrew. It's great. Jonah was fine, and then he wasn't. You remember that feeling in your life. Maybe you're in it now. The phone call, that diagnosis, that we need to talk conversation. You got bumped by life, as I say to my friends. And I don't think they like that verb that I use. It doesn't paint the picture of how bad things might have gotten, but I like it. You got rubbed and rubbing is racing. <laughs> this is where we are in the story of the prophet. He finally got the message and leans in. C.S. Lewis says this so beautifully, and it goes, quote, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Wow. You're asking questions for the first time in a long time. This season of life, the pain has awakened Jonah. As I keep saying, this is me and this is you. We are fine without God until we are not. Until that boat starts rocking, the wind starts blowing, the belly of the beast, in Jonah's case, a mess of his own making. So he finally decides to pray through his hardship pain, and suffering. He can't blame anyone but himself. So let's break down that prayer, chapter two of this beautiful book. Use this as a set of lenses to look through your own story. Maybe you are in a pit right now and it's your fault. Or worse, maybe it's not your fault at all. And yet here you are in the same pit. Use that as we get into this section of scripture. Your life has fallen apart You don't know why, or maybe you do deep down inside when your head hits that pillow at night. Use this, use this and process. So let's dive deep into the belly of this great dag, this fish. Close your eyes and picture this for a minute. Where is Jonah? What does it look like in this setting? What does it feel like on your fingers and your toes? What does it smell like? Now he prays. Now he prays. Now the prophet prays. I called out to the Lord, capital L, remember? It's the God of the Hebrews. Out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. So that's the Hebrew word for the grave or the spiritual realm of the dead, okay? 
I called for help and you listened to my cry. First part of the prayer, he's calling out for help. He's crying. He's crying for help. You've been in this situation. It's terrifying, crying, screaming for help, desperate. If this has happened to you, you know there is no shame in this. You have all your cards on the table. Sometimes it's overreacting, but sometimes it is needed. You need help or you are going to die or someone is going to die. Waves are crashing. Maybe cars are crashing. You never forget this day. I got nothing. I need help. I need resources that I don't have. Save me, please. That is the opener to this prayer. We will come back to that. And what does he say God does in this situation? God listens. Most of the time when we cry out like this to God, what do we feel like? Maybe this is me personally, but sometimes you're thinking God isn't there. Where is he? Read the Psalms. They, you're not alone in that thought. All of God's people have felt that. Where is he? Jonah feels the opposite. He is at the bottom and God is right there. He's right there. This is where he finally feels God the closest and the most hands-on. Hmm. Verse three, quote, for you cast me, hurled me into the deep. Wait, who cast me? Into the very heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me and all your waves and your breakers. Whose waves? They pass over me. Hold on, Tyler. You just did this last chapter. If I recall, the pagan sailors tossed old Jonah into the sea. Is Jonah blame shifting? Is that interesting? I don't like this personally. I don't like this part of the prayer. This section of scripture bothers me. And guess what? That's okay. Let it bother me. That's how you get into the text a level deeper than skimming the surface. It's okay to get annoyed by scripture. I'm sure someone has told you the opposite, but it is okay to get annoyed by scripture. It doesn't call your faith into question. It solidifies it when you ponder this and sit on it. All right, back on track. So Jonah has made horrible decisions thus far, right? Is that Yahweh's fault? Of course not. So why is he blaming God for this now? That's not what is going on. Listen to this. Are you listening? An old preacher of mine used to say that. Jonah sees now that whether it is his sins and mistakes or someone else's that have gotten him here, God isn't sweating this. Or as Tim Mackey said when I first heard this lesson, God isn't biting his fingernails. He isn't blown away. There isn't an argument against God or the existence of God based on humans having pain and suffering. There is no correlation. It simply proves that the God who doesn't allow pain and suffering doesn't exist. That's all. So the age-old question of why would a good God let bad things happen to good people? Christians have never believed in that God. We believe in the opposite. It's worse. Listen to this, kids. We believe in a God that allowed the worst possible thing in the history of the world to happen to the best possible person that ever lived. Let me say that one more time. This is how you answer this question for people. If you're a Jesus follower. We believe in a God that allowed the worst possible thing in the history of the world to happen to the best possible person that ever lived. That's your answer. Actually, we hang our hat on that fact. <laughs> that's, that's the whole basis of it. If you read the book of Acts and see the lifespan of some of the early Christ followers and starters of this sect 
this cult called the way, that's not the goal. Maybe, maybe God put Jonah in this situation or you or me, because that is exactly where you need to be. God is going to work this situation out for his purposes, just like he always does. He is going to use this for good. That's the end of Genesis. This is mercy on steroids, critical clemency and compassion, and Jonah knows it. He sees God's nature finally all over this. He has made terrible decisions, but no, God is not gone. He's not gone. God is there, closer than ever, waiting for a head turn. He is not the genie of Aladdin, ready to pop out and grant a wish. Ready to answer the prayer of American Christianity. God, please protect me as I drive six hours to my beach house, traveling mercies. No. Wrong. That is not our God. Comfort, security, safety, happiness. That's not the God of the Bible. Not when I read it. How about this? This might burn a little bit. If you think God's role in your life is to provide safety and smooth sailing all the way and infinite happiness, you're going to straight up be disappointed in him all the time. I'll save you the time. That ain't it. Your life has shown you this and that's okay. That's not the point of our time here on earth. This is the sweaty gym. We are training. What does God do in about every story of the Bible? He takes a lump of coal applies pressure, and turns it into a diamond of a human being. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, David, Peter, Paul, Stephen. God calls a people to himself and then shapes and molds their character so that they come to the understanding of the truth of their nature and their role on this planet. God wants a partner. He needs us to realize first that we are not God. He is God. You ever read the Exodus story in Pharaoh? Is that ringing a bell? He wants to shake hands with us, but he can't come near us until he turns us into something useful. Like I've said, we are rotten captains of our own ship. Our thoughts and nature lead us where? To Tarshish. God says, go east, we go west. We can't help ourselves. It's sad. But when we realize how much we have taken our life for granted and see the forest through the trees, it becomes the best thing that has ever happened to us. We see our brokenness and our need for God. That's a good thing. Maybe the best thing, as they say in Shawshank. The only reason I have breath in my lungs is because of a creator that changes your brain. You can't go back. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You've got to face it. The only question is, what do you do with this newfound info? I mean, humility, mercy, perspective, patience, love, as Paul would say, so wonderful. All right, verse four, hardship turns to need, quote, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. He's talking to himself. I wanted smooth sailing, traveling mercies, safe trip to Tarshish, please. That's my prayer. And where does that land him? Think of the slap against your forehead. Where did that land me? I'm so stupid. I almost got what I wanted. And that would have been so terrible. You've seen people in your life that make it to Tarshish. They don't need God. Their life is awesome. They don't need Jesus to save them. They're crushing it. There's nothing you can do to get some God in their life. How could you? They're, they're on top of this world. They're killing it. Don't try to just be there. Stay in their life. Be that presence in their life. 
when their ship goes down. Be ready to shine your light. This happens to all of us. You'll get the call. Trust me. Verse 5, quote, Engulfing water closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. End quote. It's over. He knows it. Then pull back and we make it to verse 6. Yet you, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. All I got going in this world is God committed to me. The worst moment of life, and it might be the best. Verse 7, right at the moment of death, he remembers Yahweh. Quote, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. This is the whole book of Deuteronomy right here. Remember what Yahweh did for you guys. That's Moses' quote. Yet you forget, lest you forget. Remember, don't forget. And what do they do in the next chapter? What do we do to God in Jesus daily? We forget. Friendly reminder, never forget. Okay, does anyone remember where Jonah is right now? Don't skip that. He's in the belly of the beast. Death everywhere. And here are his thoughts. In other words, don't use your position in life as a scorecard for how God or Jesus feels about you. Jonah finally gets this. His circumstances have nothing to do with God's love and commitment to him. The one and only indicator for how God feels about us is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When you finally realize this, it will crack you wide open. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. I can put that bag down. I can take the yoke off. I idolized my own life thus far so much that I was forfeiting the whole thing. In my short little run in this life, it's a blip, and I almost missed it. Same thing with Jonah. This prayer of Jonah shows us and deals us a severe mercy. It makes you trust in something bigger than yourself. Man, which is hard. That's scary. But you have to take that step. You have to move in that direction. If this makes you furious, that's okay. It makes Jonah furious as well. He isn't done banging his head against the wall, and neither are you, and neither am I. God knows that and still decides to include us in his perfect plan of redemption to get us back to Eden and back to heaven and earth overlapping, not playing the harp in a halo and wings, heaven and earth overlapping. Jonah is finally all in. All his chips are on the table. Verse 10, and so the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Time's up, Jonah. Time to work. Time to strap up the sandals. It's time to make the donuts. I am Tyler Parker, and Sunday School is out. out. out.